1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store
3: to make the switch today. Thanks for listening to Primetime with Isaac and Souk On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan.
1: Service Patriots is your home for comfort solutions for all your heating and air conditioning needs. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at servicepatriots.com slash thefan. Hear this, hear this.
0: Welcome. Primetime with Isaac and Souk. What is going on up here? I never know, man. Unbiased. Shut, shut, your, shut your mouth. Uncompromised sports talk without the sugar coating.
3: I hope you're happy. You wasted everyone's life for 30
0: seconds.
2: Isaac Rop and Jason Sekanik. Now shut up
0: and let me do my job. The best in sports coverage. Just gonna be this is going to be quiet This is Primetime with Isaac and Souk on 1080 The Fan.
1: Oh, I find people of Portland. Happy Thursday, too. We got a, a beefy and O-line edition of Primetime. I'm here as always, Jason Sikanik, Big Sook, along with uh, the great Will Ortner, doing a double shift. You're double-lining like you're a yes, hockey. Sir. Yeah, you're just, you know, it's, we're down men right now. Dusty apparently has got the uh, the muds, he's got the tries. He's got the brownings. And uh, I guess that happened, like, uh, you got called in, like, last second? Yeah, I got called in around 10. It happens, and then of course uh, you know our man Schultzy there. So it's a skeleton crew today, boys. But uh, we're sucking it up little. Uh, this is what happens on the holidays. You know, everyone's taking mm-hmm. vacations. Everyone's getting sick. And uh, you know we gotta we gotta pitch in, so uh, it's an admirable thing that you're doing there, pulling a double shift. You're like working like nine hours today because you were probably like probably doing morning producing. If you if I know you, <laughs> if if I could have weaseled my
2: way into that, I would have. I <laughs> I am learning that uh, just say yes to everything, and
3: eventually uh, you'll get your way. Not quite yes to everything. You can't be too good at the uh, the behind the scenes stuff, or they'll just keep you there. So that is one mm-hmm. of those things. You mm-hmm. you do have to it's be a fine balance. Yeah, at Schultz in there, he's like he's just he's like. Oh man, no, there's no, there's I was you're, you're
1: too valuable to move you anywhere else. We need you right yeah. where you're at.
3: Heard that at the age of twenty two, and I'm like, what what the hell? This is goes against everything I was taught as a kid to try to work hard and earn your way, walk up the ladder. No,
1: no that's a Rob thing. Like, early on, like 20 years ago when we were starting, they used to have, like, because I would do, like, uh, color for high school football games. We used to have, like, yeah. you, know, you know, the game of the week. I remember, so, yeah, yeah. We did, did all great. that. Mm-hmm. And so I would do that, and so they would try to get Rob to do play-by-play, and he's just like, yeah, no, not doing that. <laughs> he was just like, like, 20 years ago, he drew a line in the sand and just say, yeah, I'm not doing any weird weekend-type stuff. And we're like, why won't like it be like the state playoffs? And he goes, because it starts with the state playoffs, and then it's a random Friday night. He's like, before you know it, you're stuck doing that. And he's like, no, that man has very he, smart. He has drawn that line for decades and is not willing to cross over that line.
2: See, I'll, it, that's what impresses me about Rob, though, because this isn't just like a work thing for me. I say yes to everything. If I'm getting invited out to a party with people that suck. I'm saying yes. You just can't say no. If I'm getting asked to, hey, can you help me move? I'm saying yes, even if I don't want to. If I don't have something better to do or something else to do, I am going to say yes. If you ask me, you could have like four people that I despise. Some from high school, some from college, some from now that I just hate.
1: They are fuddy-duddies. They are the worst people in the world. I like that you just use the term fuddy-duddy. I'm saying yes. It's the oldest thing I've ever heard you say. Normally, you say things that are young and stupid. I'm trying to mature. Now you're just dropping a fuddy duddy. I'm uh, trying to mature. You can text us five zero three eight six four six fans, the Vancouver Ford text line. Uh, someone says Will lives outside of a outside of the building in a tent. Nope. Are you shacking up with the uh, the F two fifty guy? I am not. I have I have an apartment. Yeah, there's. I'm out. Uh, well, that's the RV. Is that because he he got an no, RV, buddy? Is that I'm on the good side of the river? Because you did say that uh, you you got a roommate. So I was thinking maybe you've moved into the uh, the the RV out in front. We have no. we have new residents out here. Nah, I I have seen them. They uh they moved in on Saturday. Yeah, they seem like they got a good like kind of bosom buddy thing going on.
3: You know, I, I guess and if oh, yeah, you're, they gonna, stay near each other.
1: Well, I mean, you got to there's strength in numbers. Strength in numbers, right? Like, if you're going to be like a go-getter homeless, wouldn't it make sense to have another go-getter homeless going with you? Unless you're the F-250 guy, and then you're upset because the other guy's got the RV. Like, he just lives in the cab of his truck while the other guy's got a broken-down RV. I'm assuming that's a real power play in the houseless community is the broken-down RV.
2: Well, I think they've combined forces. You use the F-150 to move the broken-down RV because it, it it's enough to where it's going to move. It's going to scrape. Yeah. But it's, and it's not going to move on its own,
1: but it will move with I, the help of others. I think about that all the time because you see the weird... Like, sometimes when I'm riding my bike around Vancouver, like, we don't have uh on in the couve, we don't quite have the uh the scene that goes on over here in portland but you, you you do see it and like i'll be riding my bike and i'll just you're going down like random neighborhoods and you just like turn down and like all of a sudden there'll be like 11 rvs just like parked along a street mm-hmm. a street and you're like oh like, hey, like this is uh this is that area and i always have like and none of the rvs have moved like they're clearly stationary they got flat tires like looks like one of the axles busted. and i often think to myself how do they get there like one, where do those RVs come from? Like, are this like, did you have that RV? Is that was like your like you realized you were you were getting put out on the street, and so then you acquired that? Is this a place where you can just go and scavenge RVs? How do you get the RV to that spot? Is it something that passes around the community? where, like, hey, let's all gather together in this area because, and, and then every now and then you do see one being towed. With, like, a non-tow cable if someone just has, like, a rope and it's being drugged. I just said that whole thing is is fascinating to me, how the broken-down RVs end up there. Because, like, they're always like, hey, we're going to put together this place for the RVs to come. but I'm like, but none of those RVs move. I I've would, never actually seen one drive I, I anywhere. S- I saw one
2: over here. I saw a broken-down RV that had two flat tires in the back but two good ones in the front. And was going? Weird. Towing another rv that had three flat tires and on the fourth one no tire
3: i would i would assume that like rvs there's such a different purchase than a car even though people think of them kind of similar it's actually i believe rvs are financed most of the time like on more of like a mortgage payment if i'm not mistaken so so you can get it for like a little bit of a smaller payment but a lot of times still you end up underwater and that's one of the first things people default on so there's this excess of RVs that either end up being like foreclosed on, given back, you know, or repossessed, whatever you want to say. I still think of it like a house, so I say foreclosed. Or they just end up in the junkyard, and, and it's pretty easy at that point. You talk about a broken-down RV dragging another one, it sounds like it's pretty easy to uh, just find, a, I don't know, a half-decent one somewhere. We've all seen Breaking Bad. I find that, see, that. I just, my point is I'm fascinated by it. I don't think it is easy to find
1: an RV, like in all my years of cruising around, I've never seen just an RV that it just, just sitting there waiting to be had. Like you, that they're either occupied and clearly they haven't moved forever. And that's the thing is like, you see them there and it looks like it's been there for six years, but you know, it hasn't. And I just want to know where that RV came from. Like if you show up at a junkyard is indeed, there just like fifty. It's like, there's like 15 of those. Cause it's not a salvage yard. You can't break into salvage yards. If you've ever been in a car wreck and they tow your, your car to one mm-hmm. of those, that's behind lock and key. And I don't know if you've seen Barbed the people that wire. run salvage yards. That ain't the place you want to break in. I promise you that's armed. It, 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 if the if the apocalypse happens, go find yourself the person at the salvage yard and that's the person you want to hang out with. That person has an American flag, lots of guns, and they've been waiting for that and they're heavily fortified. I don't think you're just rocking in to like H&M towing there, hop the fence and, uh, you know, escape from New York with an RV. It just it, it it is one of my great mysteries that I don't think I'll ever fully understand is the acquisition where seemingly you have nothing, but you have an RV.
2: See, but I'm shocked with that because you lived in a spot where I bet Ooh, you there's a lot of fair. people that have RVs. I feel like where your house was up on top of Sook Mountain, yeah, that is a very uh, camping rich well, culture ab- and absolutely. society. I had a so, guy that lived
1: in half of an well, half of a mobile home.
2: Right. So yeah. there should be a lot of RVs there. I feel like when you know you are going under, right, you know that you're going to lose the house, lose the apartment, condo, whatever you're in. You just contact a buddy and they go, "Eh, well, the RV hasn't really run in a couple of years. Do you really want to live in that?" And you go, "Yes, yes, I do." I know,
3: I know a few people my age that are living in RVs, and it's not like these are new RVs sitting around either. Susan. No, I mean, it, yeah, these are obviously the dilapidated ones. Maybe you know, a family bought an RV, then they upgraded fifteen years later through that one, you know, to the side or sold it for a couple of grand. What's going to end up happening to something like that?
1: I don't know where. That's you know? my point is I don't know. I don't. I've never. <laughs> In all my years, I've been on this planet for forty five years. I've never, I've never come across just like a, hey, do you want this RV? It's just there. I've never seen it. you am gonna ask more. But I'm not in, an, I've never been in that RV world. It's Mo- just, it's, it's a. The RV world is, is, is foreign to me. My wife tried to get me to buy an RV like fifteen mm-hmm. years ago, and I refused because I don't know anyone that uses them. Check in the Vancouver Ford
0: text
3: him. line. There is a. Free one on Craigslist right now, according to somebody that just texted into the show. So, so
1: I, I think that's that's what I'm saying. It's so just, the, are the homeless on Craigslist just waiting
3: to like pound? Everyone
2: has a phone. Yeah, that's true. Also, I free feel. Wi-Fi. I also feel like the RV community is much like me getting jobs here. You just say yes, and you ask people, "Hey, when you have a free RV?" Do you want to let me have it? Well, I like that approach, and I think I think that comes up a lot. You I just bet go you it does door to
1: door. Like you just find like an old dilapidated RV, and you just knock on the dude's door. You are like, "Hey, you want to get rid of that RV?" the uh, The insurrectionists to live down the the way from me, they have like a nineteen seventies Mercedes RV. It looks like an old tour bus. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's parked out in front, and I don't know what's going on in there, but it's like got it's got like tarps for windows. It, it's the sketch. I would like to take photos of it. And, like, their setup, but I'm afraid that they're going to see me taking, like, photos and think that, like, I'm the government. But it's, I'm telling you, dude, it's the, it's, like, two homes side by side, and they all have, like, all the three percenter and, like, Constitution bumper stickers. Someone showed up, like, like a month ago, someone showed up with, like, an old U-Haul, but now they're welding some sort of big metal cage on top of it. And there's just, it's, there's weird stuff going on there. And, like, every time I walk by it, I'm just terrified, and I see, like, again, I, I just see this old RV, and it. I've been there like eight years and it's never moved. Just Hmm. sits like on the side of their house and I don't know what's happening in there, but I don't think anything good. I don't think anything good happened. Like RVs, like like after an RV is like 12 years old, I don't believe anything good has ever happened in an older RV. It's all bad. Everything.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. Young Will Ortner loved going in the RV with uh, his grandpa and uh, Grandma Wilbur. That was a good time. I enjoyed it. I think. I also know that they were, like, using it to travel the country. They were doing a whole, like, we got to see all the state capitals type deal. And so they would drive around in the RV. And it wasn't, it was old-ish, but it wasn't, like, a 12-year-old You actually got to
3: sleep inside the RV. My dad made my sister and I sleep in the tent. Mom and dad got to sleep in the RV, and not enough room for us, so we got to be in the tent. You know why you slept in the tent, right? Uh, yeah. Fill me in on, the, on what my family thinks of me, Will. Please. <laughs> I don't think the
1: RV is wasn't where I was going.
3: Nah,
1: <laughs> I, I knew where you're going. The RV is like one of the, like Adam Carolla does that, like the rich man, poor man thing. It's like the duality of man. Mm-hmm. If you have an RV, you're either doing really well or you're not doing so well at all. It's like if you own six cars. You own six cars, again, you either own your own business and things are going great or. Yeah, you you own six cars. There's no, it's, it's it's. I think that's more of you found six cars on your lawn. Yeah. I don't know how much you own six cars. Yeah, again, it's the same thing. You just accumulate them. That was the guy when I lived on Suke's Mountain. He had like twelve cars, and I don't know where those cars came from. They just appeared. They just showed up, like at his place. It was a it was a hell of a thing. He didn't have much. He had half a mobile home, and then uh, well, he burned down his house for insurance money, but he got caught. <laughs> And so he uh, Jeez. he got dinged. Like there was an outline of where you could see the foundation of his home. And then I think he did a little time for arson because he burned his own place down. And so then somehow, like so, after he got out, uh, he he managed to get half of a mobile home. This is a real story. It's yeah, a real story. Okay. I, I lived. It, it I,
2: fits for this community.
1: Yeah, I lived there for years. And he lived right across the street from me, and you say so you could see the chart outlines of the foundation of his home, and then. uh, you know, like when you have a mobile home, it comes in two pieces and then they put it together. Well, he never had the second piece. So it was half of the mobile home. And then the other half was like blue tarps. And then he propped it up like on old uh, appliances. So like half of it was sitting on like center blocks. And the other half was sitting on like washers and dryers. And then he would just, I don't know what he did with them, but he just accumulated cars. So like every day you'd go outside and there'd be a new pit bull and there'd be a new car. That was like kind of his deal. I don't know what he did. His name was Kevin. He was a very interesting uh, human being, but a
3: white person's name, yes.
1: Oh, whatever you think Kevin looks like, I can assure you, it was much, much worse. He was, just, he was one of those dudes, and like when you live next to someone like that, again, it's fascinating because you think there's no way, like that person like lives. Like there's just, and then you like, no, he actually does fine. He just. I bet you that's probably normal for him too. Yeah, he didn't even think about it. Like, oh he, yeah,
3: that's he, his daily life.
1: He never seemed miserable or whatever. He was just out there, kind of doing stuff. And I'm off thinking to myself, like, where did he get money? How does that guy survive? And yet, you know, he was there as long as I. He outlived me. I, I got off the, when I left uh, Sook's Mountain. He was still there. Mm-hmm. The squatter was, and he wasn't allowed to live uh, because you know it was. It's not a permanent dwelling, so he's only allowed to camp there. So like every now and then the county would come out and shoo him away for a week and then like he'd come back. <laughs> he'd
2: go stay at his buddy's house. Oh, you just It's also not a big community and uh in that area there's a lot of farmland he could have went and
1: camped at. He was a he was a fascinating guy. He was just like when you see those people that live on the edges of society, it's just you know, it's 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 an entirely foreign world. And to get a glimpse at it, I lived there for like six years. To see that guy on a day-to-day basis, it was fabulous. just it was like being at the zoo. Mm-hmm. You would just stare at him and be like, What is going on over there? And you would just see different things and like you never knew what mm-hmm. was going on. You just would see it and you're like,
3: Oh my god. Look at the camper in his natural habitat. Look at him making his water for his coffee, and then he peed in it. What's yeah. he doing?
1: I'm telling you, it was it was like the crocodile hunter, and I tried selling my house. And so my house was on the market for like Several months and like no one bought it, mm. and then I took it off and I brought it, I, I put it back on, and like after like three weeks, finally someone was going to come out and look at it. So that morning, you're getting the house all together, right? Yeah. And then you're leaving so that someone can come. And I go outside, and there is just this mountain of black smoke. That morning, he had lit a tire fire down on the underside of his property with all of his spare well, it was tires. Cold. It was, dude, like a raging inferno of just black tarry smoke. I was like, all right. Can't wait for someone to come look at the house. The person drove up, did a once-over around like the driveway, and just kept on. Didn't even stop. Just drove up, saw the tire fire circled. Like a day I later, I saw guy. him. I was like, "Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate the the tire fire. Thing burned for like a month too." I might love thing, Kevin. Thing was amazing. Just oil and gas and tires just going. Some he, people just don't care. He
2: takes me back, man, because that community is very similar to the one that I grew up in, where I really do feel like you have the duality of man. People in that area, you either are extremely rich or you're extremely poor, and there's no in-between, and it's always fun to see the two intermingle. No, oh, yeah. Like, oh, those two are best friends, and they live very different lives. Well, it's
1: weird, because then where I lived in the center, now all the wealthy people have come up there to those little hills, and they're buying property and building like these million-dollar homes, but every now and then, there's little old Kevin just sitting there, and he ain't moving. He's like that guy that, like, wouldn't move for Trump, like, his golf course. Like, yeah, it's it's just little dudes that are just dug in like Alabama ticks. They're like, nope. Like, a million-dollar home right above you, right below you, tire fire. Tire fire and half a mobile home. God bless Kevin the Squatter. All right, we got plenty to get to today. we got some NFL, college football. I think we're going to have to go a deep dive into the Thursday night football game. I mean, are you kidding me? East and stick, let's go. But we start with the Cougs and the Beeves. they got a schedule. We'll go through it when we come uh, back. You've got an O-line edition of Primetime right here on 1080 The Fan.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: Prime time with Isaac and Souk on 1080 The Fan.
1: All right, we've got the AAA heating and cooling poll question. You can find that sucker on uh, Twitter or X. Is anyone ever going to accept the fact that that's X? Like, I just, I understand that it's now been like six months, and I just refuse to, it's it's Twitter. It will always be Twitter to me. You can't
2: call it X, because the minute that you call it X, people start thinking that it's something else, and that it's...
3: Usually when I talk about it, it's Twitter or X. See, I feel like it's more of an Elon thing. I don't even think it's a Twitter or X thing. I think people are trying to give the middle finger to Elon Musk because for some reason, I mean, he led the whole charge with electric cars in our universe, and everybody followed the lead that Elon Musk set. But now he's a dunce apparently because politically, some people don't agree oh, with some at, of his takes. Apparently,
1: schultz is a Musk guy. Look at that—he's got he's a little not, Schultz's got a little burr oh, under his uh, saddle there. No, he's a, dude, dude, look, he's an—he's an e- gonna El- vote for him. Elon. Look at Elon's. Oh, yeah. look at the Elon's over there. Look, Schultz is getting a little upset. Don't <laughs> you dare criticize plan. Elon Musk. No. I just don't know what to call it. Like I So I send out an X? See, like a,
2: but you can't say you sent out an X because
3: I yeah, know what I think exactly. when you say you sent out an X. So, we well, anyway, tried to rename PayPal X, too.
1: You can go to Twitter. You can go to X. Check out the AAA heating and cooling poll question. AAA heating and cooling family business helping families over 60 years. AAAIAQ.com. And I simply ask you, now that the beeves and the Kooks have a schedule for 2024, your initial thoughts are better than I thought meh, or Mountain West, boo. And we'll go through the uh, the schedules. And I will say, I think the Beaver schedule, better than Washington State's um, at, at first kind of glance. So Washington State, and so we have all the opponents. Uh, we don't have all the dates so far on this. Right. So this is Washington State. They're going to open August 31st against Portland State, and that will be in Pullman. And then they get Texas Tech in Pullman. And then it's so weird, but September 14th, Apple Cup, and that one's going to be at Lumen Field, and that'll be the 50-50 uh, split revenue. So, technically, that will be a neutral site game, even though it's played in Seattle. It won't be at Husky Stadium. Then you got San Jose State uh, at home, and then uh, you're on the road against the Beavs. So there's your Pack 2 and then you got three in a row at home, where you got Utah State, Wyoming, and Hawaii, although technically those may not be necessarily in a row because the Oregon state one, that's the last one that we have a date for. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we just have the date to be determined. So we have Utah state, Wyoming and Hawaii. Those will be at home. And then you'll be at San Diego state at Boise, at New Mexico at Fresno. And then those may get shuffled around. So yeah, it, it won't be three at home and then four on the road. Those games will get all intermingled. And obviously those are all part of the mountain West scheduling Alliance. So, obviously, the highlight there, uh, Washington, right? I mean, that's that's your big one. Texas Tech. And then, you know, you do play Oregon State. I, I don't know if you consider that to be a power five anymore. It's like, it's not a Mountain West, but it's not quite a power five. It's somewhere in the
2: middle. It, it almost feels like back in the day when they used to schedule Purdue or Rutgers or something like that. Oh, where, oh the Beeves have Purdue. <laughs> well, but right. <laughs> yeah, but fantastic. it feels a little bit where it's it's a power five, but it's a lesser than power five. And it's not Oregon State or Washington State's fault. It's just you're not in a conference. So you now kind of feel like that.
1: Yeah, it's strange because I like I said we don't know we don't know what to do with Oregon State and Washington State, if indeed we consider them power five or mm-hmm. if you consider them now, a group of five, well, they're just, they're a nomad right now. They're just kind of wandering through the desert. Now, for the Beeves, and this is why I said I think the Beeves is, is slightly better. So, the Beeves are going to have uh, August 31st, they open against Idaho State, which, whatever, that one was scheduled uh, mm-hmm. beforehand. September 7th, you're at San Diego State. And then again, September 14th, you get Oregon, um, which just, that's going to be weird. So, September 14th is going to be the Apple Cup and the Civil War. And then you got Purdue. And by the way, those are all uh, Idaho State, Oregon, Purdue at home, on the road against San Diego State. Then you're at Cal, mm-hmm. um, which is now an ACC game. <laughs> and then you get Washington State. There's your Pack 2 And now these are the ones that are to be determined as far as the dates. But your home games will be UNLV, San Jose State, Colorado State. And the road will be Boise State, Air Force, Nevada. So you do have an official schedule now if you are Oregon State and Washington State. And... I I'll say when I first saw this, I think it's better than what it could have been. That, was, that was my initial thought is I, I don't think it's a bad schedule. I don't think it's a great schedule. I, I think it's, I think it's decent. I also think it's a little silly that I've, I've seen Washington state and Oregon state fans, both being like 11 and one be real, real careful with this. Uh, mm-hmm. we're crowned up. And all of a sudden we're just rolling through teams. Mm-hmm. If you're Washington state, you saw the way this season went, and if you're Oregon State, you've had two nice seasons. You had a 10-win season, and this one, maybe if you win the bowl game, you win nine games, and you're trending in the right direction. But before that, let's not act like Oregon State was truck-rolling you know, people here. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Oregon State is, is getting absolutely decimated by the NFL graduation and transfer portal and a whole new staff. So this idea that Washington State and Oregon State are going to roll into a Mountain West light schedule and steamroll people and be 11-1 and, and and have a shot at the college football playoff, just be real, real careful getting bowed up with about, about this. There's some tough games on that schedule.
2: Oh, hundred percent. Well, and and I think the other thing that you kind of have to realize is it's almost like a soft launch. Like you are soft launching the fact that you are not going to be a power five school anymore, unless something drastically changes that you have no control over, right? Unless the ACC folds, which would be very difficult for them to do with the different TV contracts that they have, you are going to be a Mountain West team. It might be called, you know, the The Pac West or whatever, so that you can maintain media rights and and all those different things. But you are now a group of five team. You are a smaller school, and that sucks. But I think this is the perfect way to kind of soft launch your way into that. Like you're going to have some power five games. You're going to have some Mountain West games and you ease into it. You get used to it. And then all of a sudden before you know it, it's been 10 years and you're like, oh, yeah, we are a Mountain West team. It's almost to me like when school starts the Wednesday before Labor Day, where like you get three days of school. Then you get four days of school, and then you get five days of school. You get to ease your way into the school year instead of starting on a Monday, you know, a week after Labor Day, and you're just doing
1: five straight days. It's a nice little soft launch into what your future is. Yeah, and like someone asked, you know, can the Beavs make the uh, the playoffs next year? Well, you can, but it, remember Washington State and Oregon State for the next two years, they'd have to make it as an at-large team. Mm-hmm. Their, they that none of their Mountain West games are going to be included in the Mountain West standings. Right. So. They're not eligible to play for a Mountain West title. Uh, Obviously, they're not eligible in the Pac-2 to be a a qualifier. So the the way the new format is going to be, uh, by all all accounts, will be four automatic bids uh, for the the Power Four. So the winner of the Big Ten, uh, winner of the SEC, uh, ACC, and uh, Big 12 so they'll all go and then that fifth will be the highest ranked group of 5 so the american you know the american uh, athletic uh mountain mm-hmm. west all that so, so it's going to be the five highest ranked champions and obviously the four power conferences their champion is going to be ranked high and then they'll give one spot guaranteed to the best group of 5 team like this year liberty would be that team and then after that all the games will all the other teams will be at large teams so yes Technically, Washington State and Oregon State could make it if they were viewed as one of the, the, what, seven, basically, at-large teams that are going to be there. But in order to do that, especially with a schedule that is going to be viewed as a Mountain West schedule, I do think you would probably have to be undefeated. I would agree with that. I mean... And that includes beating Oregon and, and Washington.
3: And that that's your only statement win on your schedule, right? Yes. I mean, you're talking about a 13-0 team. I'm trying to think of like it kind of makes me think of Boise State that, that obviously this was in the BCS world where only two teams played for a championship, but they were always on the outside looking in, and that's yes. what this 12 team college football playoff is gonna help fix. But as we're trying to discuss like what the hell are they gonna be next year, so are people on the committee gonna be looking at Oregon State no. with the 13 or 12 and 0 season, being like, Oh yeah, they belong here. I don't and I don't oh, try to knock if, you
1: be. If, I don't think if so. You're if you were undefeated... Is if, that the only if, way? Yes, it's the only way. Okay. You've got to be undefeated. If you're undefeated and you had a win over Oregon and Washington and you're undefeated, yes. Because you look at, at the rankings every year when people start, you know, mm. oh, who's going to get and who's going to get out. When you look at, at at number 10, 11, and 12, you are going to see two and three lost teams. Yep. I mean, I'll pull up the rankings right now. And I, I promise you that Penn State, I believe,
2: around 10 Ole Miss was in there. Arizona yeah. was just on the outside. Yeah, I'm looking
1: here. So Missouri, uh, Missouri, this is how uh, this is after the championship week. So mm-hmm. we'll just we'll just take nine, 10, 11 and 12. So Missouri, 10 and two, obviously didn't win anything. Penn State, 10 and two Ole Miss, 10 and two Oklahoma, 10 and two, 13 is LSU, nine and three. Arizona is nine and three. Um so those are the teams that you're going to be fighting for mm-hmm. and if you had a schedule uh, let's say Washington state Oregon state and you were 11 and 1 right but you didn't beat Oregon let's say your one loss is to Oregon and your one loss is to Washington right it's it's going to be hard to hang your hat on the win over Cal Boise Air Force Someone's going to look at at Ole Miss and someone is going to look at Oklahoma and say, "We have one. We're ten and two. We have one more loss, and our losses are against Alabama and you know LSU." I I really do think that the only way that you are getting in, especially since you are going to get a Liberty or you're going to get an Air Force or someone that gets in as a as a the Group of Five champion. Mm-hmm. I just really feel like your path is going to have to be undefeated, and it sucks. But that's the nature of the beast. But hopefully, in two years, whatever happens, you end up in the Big Twelve or reconstructed Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you know you can run the, the the thing of if we're the highest ranked non-power five champion, then that's that's your way in. But with a schedule like that, the idea of getting in as an at large team is—I'm uh, not saying it's impossible, but it's very, very unlikely. Um, that even in the expanded playoff, that, that that's something that comes to fruition.
2: I think you would have to have barely lost. Like, you would have to lose by three, much like Oregon did to UW yes. this year. You'd have to lose 11 by and three one and, 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 and blow and, everyone out. The other thing I think that hurts you in the playoff committee is you're not going to have anyone necessarily that's in there fighting for you. Like, the SEC are going to have people that are fighting for them.
1: Well, even the Mountain West and all, I mean, yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. The Mountain West is going to have people in there fighting for them. Liberty was able to get in because they had people in there fighting for them because there was talk that, you know, it should have been SMU or Tulane or some of these other teams that had a very similar record. They just weren't undefeated. They had that one blemish. So – you have a bunch of different things that are working against you. It's a good schedule. It's a solid schedule, but I, like I said earlier, it is a soft launch. Yeah, you have to understand that. Unfortunately for you, this is the lot in life that you are going to have, and that's the way it's going to be unless something crazy happens. Which is why you're
1: doing. That the, you don't It's why you're doing the two year kind of mm-hmm. wait around and see. It, it it really does feel that for the next two years, this is going to be more. And uh, in, in Dickert, it's a little bit easier at Washington State because you you you're already established there. Like you've right. been a coach. Bray, I think has a very difficult job, but I really think if you're a Kook fan and a, and a B fan for the next two years, you just have to view this almost like, kind of like a, like an NBA blazer season. Yeah. It's not about wins and losses. It's about just kind of establishing some roots. Um, I mean, you look at you look at the, the job that Oregon State's going to have to do. This is tough. Uh, one, it, it's it's to to keep your talent level up. Mm-hmm. You have to find a way over the next two years. You've been decimated by the portal. You're going to lose some guys to the NFL, uh, and I know you got some transfers in, but like you, you're getting some Colorado castoffs, right? Like you, you're. I, yeah. I understand that you was excited. You got an offensive line. And you got a center, but he was the center from Colorado, which might have been the worst offensive line in the Power Five that I've ever seen in my life. You have to find a way to. Uh, Keep building the culture and convince recruits and convince talent that that we're going to be okay and keep the talent level up, uh, keep the talent level up, tread water, mm-hmm. and then hopefully within a year or two when when things kind of realign again, that you end up with a place at the table. Because if not, then essentially in in two years you just become a permanent Mountain West team. And once you do that, then I think that limits where your talent level comes from and and whatnot. And then I, I think you just kind of end up in that that permanent. Place and and that's ultimately I think where you don't want to be if you're Washington State and you're Oregon State. And I know that's
2: not where you want to be, but I'm always going to be a proponent of being the big fish in the small pond. And you would be the big fish. You would have the best facilities you would more than likely have the best NIL. And if you were going up against a team that had a better, better NIL, it's not going to be the vast difference that it is right now. When WSU has to take on UW or when Oregon state has to take on Oregon. And there are going to be special years where you will get into the playoff yeah. because you recruit at a high enough level and you win at a high enough level where you will get put in because you were an at large team or because you got that extra bid that they have for the smaller conferences. So I think right now it hurts a lot for Washington State and Oregon State fans, but I do think when you look at it in the long run, it almost might it might bolster what you are. Because when you think about it, when you have kids who want to go and play D1 and play FBS, but they're not good enough to be in the Power Five, their first choice is Boise State. Now
1: it's going to be Washington State and Oregon State. Yeah, you would hope. Fingers crossed on that one. And who knows what the landscape will look like in two years? Because we'll take a look at that because there is stuff every single day shaping right. what the future of the NCAA looks like, including another court decision uh, yesterday, which leads me to ask the question, does the NCAA have authority over anything? We'll talk about that when we come back here, though. Show with Sports SportsCenter. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward.
2: Time time with Isaac and Souk on 1080
0: The Fan.
1: We're talking a little college football here and just we got a schedule for Washington State, schedule for Oregon State and what this looks like going forward. But not only does Oregon State and Washington State really not have an idea of what this is going to look like in two years as they just kind of sort through this, the NCAA basically allows a conference to be below eight teams for two years. Mm -hmm. So they're going to take this time, wait for their court battle with the other leaving members of the Pac-12 and try to get that sit- situated and then once that happens they'll try to backfill they're obviously trying to keep the Pac-12 alive so it'd be a couple years but i swear like on a day-to-day basis we don't know what's happening in the NCAA the courts have already shot down basically any challenge whatsoever to any sort of NIL cap. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that that Utah just announced that their basketball and gymnastics teams also get cars. So if you go to Utah right now, every football player gets a, a, a Dodge truck. And now every gymnastics and male and female basketball athlete get to choose between a Dodge truck and a Dodge SUV. A Dodge SUV. Hey, I'd commit. Hell yeah. I can't believe that we haven't seen other schools. You know Oregon sitting around right now being like, do we need some cars? We need some cars stat. We're not going to get out NIL'd by Utah. But like they're so desperate to try to put some sort of rule on NIL, and yet every judge at every turn says no. And now we had, yesterday, we had a judge uh, strike down the notion that um, you can't transfer multiple times mm-hmm. without a penalty. And so he put a 14-day a stay on this, saying that, no, anyone that wants to transfer is eligible right away. Meanwhile, the NCAA has come out and said, if anyone tries to do this during this 14-day window while the courts kind of sort this thing out, if you play during that window and try to transfer right away, you're going to lose a season of eligibility if we get it our way. But does anyone really believe at this point that... The NCAA is going to get it their way. When's the last time the NCAA won a court battle? It's just—it's—it's it's not happening because their argument is uh-huh. they're student athletes, and we need to be able to govern this as student athletes. But when you go before any reasonable judge, he looks at this and laughs and says, "Student athlete." I mean, the NCAA is just one losing case after another, after another, after another. So who knows what the hell this thing is going to look like in two years, let alone six months? Right. Well, and that's why it is smart. Like, you've been
2: beating that drum for months and months and months now. Just play the waiting game. That's right. Stuff's going to happen. I mean, you already know out in the ACC, FSU, Clemson, North Carolina, they're upset. They want to find a way to get out of that TV contract. Yep. And honestly, if anything has taught me anything about TV contracts, is that you can find a way to get out of it at any point, right? So, look, I I wonder if we're going to get to a point where there is a commissioner and it is, you know – the power five schools, and then maybe a couple group of five schools where they join their own league. Much like the NCAA commissioner, or yeah, the NCAA commissioner had talked about where they were talking about having like a salary cap and actually paying players and treating it more like a G League type of system, and then you are going to have that mid tier. Maybe you keep it the same FBS, just like you have the FCS tier, and the the NCAA controls FBS, FCS, D two, and D three, and then you have this other entity that is governed by themselves and make their own rules because at this point. They're not student-athletes. They are much, much more. But there
1: is one thing that I I think we can all agree that if this happened, it would be beneficial to everyone because there are kids being forced to make decisions right now that you should not have to make, Mm -hmm. including a couple that have a chance to possibly win a national championship, and I don't like it at all. We'll talk about that when we come back. Primetime, here on The Fan.
0: Primetime with Isaac and Souk on 1080 The Fan.
1: little college football here in an uh, hour one, and we've seen this now from two quarterbacks playing for a shot at a national uh, championship. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the the. Uh Murphy, the backup quarterback at uh, at Texas, and he played in some games this year. Yeah, who, and, and at one point was like the number two or number three quarterback in the country coming out of his recruiting class, and he did. He played a lot of like meaningful snaps for Texas when when Ewers was hurt. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Dylan Morris, who at one point was the starting quarterback at UW, mm-hmm. and then obviously um, Michael Penix came in, and you know the the rest is uh, the rest is history there. But we've seen this now where uh, Malik Murphy from texas came out today and announced that he will not be with texas when they go play u for a right to go win a, a national championship mm-hmm. and he says that he is heartbroken about this that he wants to be with his guys but he for his own interests and and i can't blame him he sees the writing on the wall it sounds like maybe Quinn Ewers might even come back for another year. And if he does that, he certainly isn't winning that job. And then you still have Arch Manning sitting there that he'd have to be in a battle with. So Malik Murphy has said, hey, for for my future, I have to leave. I have to go find another place to play. And if you look at this this carousel that we have going on at quarterbacks right now, I mean, this is all interconnected, right? Like you have all these different quarterbacks now that are taking visits. And yeah, we've seen like Dylan Gabriel sign with Oregon, but I mean, there's seven or eight power five starting quarterback jobs still up in the air right now mm-hmm. kind of waiting for some dominoes to fall like Aiden Childs he committed to Michigan State but Van Dyke the quarterback from Miami, Miami's out there we haven't seen Cam Ward's decision yet uh what we got Will Howard that's still up in the air I mean we have all mm-hmm. these kind of pieces moving around and if you're Malik Murphy you're saying hey if I wait around and if we beat Washington look it's going to be another month and a half before I have a, a an option to go pick where I'm going to go play and by that Time, these spots are f- are, are full. I'm, it's I'm, over. Yeah, it's over now. Dylan Morris, who's the quarterback at Washington, the backup, he is doing the same thing. He says, "Look, I'm going to put my name in the transfer portal," but Dylan Morris has said that he is going to stay with UW. For as long as as they're in this, he's going to stay with the, with his team. But if you're Dylan Morris, by doing that, and I and look, let's be honest, Dylan Morris is not going to get the same uh, attention that Malik Murphy no. is. But Dylan Morris is a guy that started. Let's not act like Dylan Morris is dog mess. Dylan Morris started in the Pac-12. Like Won if games? you if you can start and win games at UW, you are going to have interest. You are going to have a chance to go play somewhere. But by doing this and sticking around, he may be limiting himself to. Mountain West-type schools, or maybe even, you know... I think he's limiting himself to less. It's possible. to be It's possible.
2: I think you actually see the difference, I don't want to say in quality of quarterback, but to a degree, yes, in the quality of quarterback. With Murphy, he has won games. He won games for Texas. He's a four-star kid coming out of high school. He's a big deal, right? The difference for him is there are FBS programs that I guarantee you are in contact with him and are letting him know, hey, if you came here and came on a visit, you would be a starter, yeah. and so he feels that he has to do that. I think in the case with Morris, I think he knows he's going down a level. I think he knows he's going to an FCS school, or if he goes to a Mountain West, a conference USA school, he knows that he would be in a competition. He would not just be outright given the job. Yeah, and so it, the the real issue with all of this is the timeline is off. You shouldn't have to make this choice. Well, you, you really should, right? And and I'm not a genius on how. You know, getting into school works and how all that stuff happens. But for, for my taste, I know at Central we started that first week of January with school. If Murphy or Morris are still at their old school, how could they possibly get into school if, say, they went to the national championship where they're playing on the Monday – uh, the second Monday of January. How can they transfer into our school, be on scholarship and be taken care of in that way, and still get to transfer with or still get to try out, practice, do all those things with the team? When they were enrolled in another school halfway through the quarter, uh, you know the first couple of weeks of the quarter,
1: it's it, it's crazy. I it was, can't happen. I was listening to one of the uh, when I was driving home like a, a week or two ago. You know we do like the Ducks roundtable and coaches. This I'm aware of the, the Ducks roundtable. Yeah. yeah, the Duck Insider and all that, and they had organs. Um, Basically, compliance officer right. on there. It was. It was. A, it was this gal, and it was That's really inter- kind of interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I thought about we should reach out to her over the the kind of holidays because she. It was really interesting to hear. um kind of what goes into this the, the transfer thing is crazy and did you know that different sports have different rules
2: yes like oh, i didn't yeah. even yeah. like, like there, different
1: there's levels yeah there's different rules for transferring as a football player versus uh, a gymnastics uh athlete mm-hmm. versus a baseball there's player
3: different needs for different athletes different and different sports and it's yeah.
1: different but whether you are a school that goes on quarters versus semesters mm-hmm. i mean and, and i just I, like when i i'm so old when i played like transferring just wasn't a thing It Mm -hmm. just wasn't like schools could block where I tried to leave BYU after my first year. Will was asking me about this. He's like, how did you end up at BYU? And I was telling him, and I said, after my first year, I tried to get the hell out of there. I realized early on, I was like, Hey, this wasn't for me. Um, and back then they could block, where you wanted to go and they could hold your scholarship for you. It year.
3: was very pre-70s like free agency and professional sports like. You you it was very very like the team controls where you are yeah, for the next year. So four years. when I
1: when I went to them and I said, "Hey, I, I don't think this is working out." They were like, "Yeah, okay. So, uh, any Pac-12 school, Pac-10 at the time, you're like you're not going there and you're going to pay your own way for a year." I was like, "What?" I was like, that's basically the only schools that I mm. talked to in in my recruitment were were the pack, uh, were the uh, the pack yeah,
2: because it was regional base back then, yeah, for and,
1: and I was like, and they're like, yeah, that's not happening, so I was like, well, what if I just went to Utah, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> so I was like, what, uh, I'm like, oh, uh, okay, and I was like, well, I, I guess I'm 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 just here now, like, mm-hmm. and, and now it's just it's it's so crazy, but because of the timing, and again, I I don't maybe you're right with the school and academics maybe they have to do it but with everything hitting December 4th with the transfer portal and then finals and, and a lot of schools it ends right. there and you flip over into the new year and then bowl games it just feels like it is a culmination of the worst timing and I hate the fact that you have kids it's one thing if you're opting out of, of a bowl game you're like hey you know what I don't want to go play in the Gator Bowl I need to go take care of myself mm-hmm. but when you're talking about BCS games you're talking about New Year 6 you're talking about playing for a national championship why? Like, what if Penix gets hurt, and 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 you know, and Dylan Morris has gone somewhere else, or Quinn Ewers gets hurt? I mean, we've seen teams win national mm-hmm. titles with backup quarterbacks, and he's not there because he's got to go find somewhere else to play. It just is a absolute rotten timing. It's even with coaches making the decision. Like, coaches have to make a decision in the season if they're going to go take another job because of the transfer portal and yeah. recruitment. And then December fourth hits, and as Dickert said. You know, you can go in. And you can absolutely gut a roster. It's like the timing of it. You know, whatever new version of the NCAA ends up forming, there needs to. This needs to be addressed because the timing of it, with the way the season sets up, at least for football, mm-hmm. it is. It, it's a shame, and it's very counterproductive, and it isn't in anyone's best interest. Coaches, fans, players. It's just not.
2: Well, and the other thing that you have to talk about too, like with a compliance person, is what academics transfer over, right? Like when I was at Central, I took a lot of AP classes. That was, I didn't want to do running start and go to Clark, but some people did that. That wasn't something that I wanted to do. Well, only some of my AP classes that I got high enough grades in transferred over. And it's the same thing with a different university and a university uh, who's on a semester system versus a university that's on a quarter system. How do those transfer over? So there were times at Central uh, where we would have guys that would transfer in, and then it's like,
3: dude, you have to take a full summer course load, or else you're not going to be eligible. What are you talking about? Those athletes didn't come to play school. To quote Cardell Jones, buddy, I- they, I'm not sure that's as big of a big of a a a need for like the Dylan Gabriels. Of the but world
2: but design. Schultz, what I'm talking about is being academically eligible uh, to play. Uh, I'm you know. I understand that guys at D1, it's much different than Central. They weren't going because of uh, the teaching program. Uh, that we
1: have at the Central Washington Normal School. Hey, I had to go to school. I went to classes. No one gave me. Anything. I went to classes. I went to one of them smart kid schools. I had to go to class. But yeah, some of the my friends that played at uh, other places, uh, not so much. Doesn't matter. Right. Well, but and that's a real thing because we see
2: people all the time that get screwed over or hosed over because they. They transfer somewhere else thinking, hey, it's all fine and good. We're good to go. And they get there, and then it's like, hey, dude, you have to do some credit recovery. you got to take a full course load in the spring. you got to take a full course load in the summer, and that's the only way for you to stay eligible. And the worst thing for you to learn is to go through half of that process, get into the school, and then find out what's happening
3: because that happens a lot. It hurts the mid-tiers and the lower-tier players in the transfer portal. I, I get you. That's right. fair. So it- it's one of those things, too, where the whole system is just wrong.
2: And it needs to get fixed, and I don't know how the, they do it. Yeah,
1: when we come back. We've got uh, some Draymond news. Uh, you know, maybe someone channeling their inner Draymond over a basketball in a hallway. The NBA loves our scuffles, and we had a good one last night. Uh, when a O line edition of Primetime comes back right here on Ten Eighty The Fan.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?